hey, you're that singer no one listens to. My name is Matthew Kroll. And hey, you're that asshole that nobody likes. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Or take two, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Oh, is it Harley Quinn semicolon? Colon, colon yeah. birds of prey. Yeah, yeah. That's the, Yeah, they changed it. They pulled a real live die repeat with this shit. Same company. It's yeah. the same company. Oh wow. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, okay, okay. So let's let's do a take three on it. What would you call this movie if you had a third chance trying to get people into the into the uh theater for this? I would call this film Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. I think that was such a fucking clever title. I don't think the title is the thing that's fucking them. I think their week that they released this movie is fucking them. What do you mean? The, oh, the, the week the week that they released this movie. Yeah. Because, you don't think that the, because the, the, bad, because the bad vibes from Suicide Squad kind of fucked them a little bit? I mean, there's bad side vibes from the DC universe other than Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam. Right. Um, and this, yeah, maybe. But I, I also think it's... Um, I, I honestly think it's the it's the release schedule having a lot to do with it. And I do want to say this. Sorry. Hi, everyone. Welcome hey, welcome hey. to the podcast. We just dove right in well, there. Welcome, welcome along. Listen in while Come we... Come on in. Yeah. Come on in. Sit down. Grab a cup uh, of tea. We're talking about Birds of Prey this week. Yeah. And uh, we're going to get to it. Actually, we have a lot of emails to get to before we do it. But we're already in this conversation. So let's st- finish this sort of let's box office yeah. bit up. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is all across the interwebs, mm-hmm. neckbeards across the country... We're just tweeting up a storm about how this movie tanked because, oh, they made Margot Robbie unattractive. (laughs) Now, I read that. I feel like that is one person tweeting on the internet. That is one dumbass person on the internet. I've seen a lot of things. Plus, there was a ton of sort of like YouTube videos of literal neckbeards. Like, it's weird. It's weird. You got to point me to this because I I will. I I, I, like. Like, for example, there was a a bunch of racist articles about the about Parasite winning best. uh, Oh yeah. But I was like, the problem here is it's literally one person tweeting and it being amplified by the media as an example of racism on the internet. And I'm like, just don't listen. Just don't. Retweet that person. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, just don't listen to that person. A lot it's of one things, person. And how I found out about a lot of these <laughs> is because I don't follow these assholes. Yeah. I I hear about it from someone else retweeting it and being like, "Look at this asshole." Yeah, but it's one person. You're right, and Look. it's being it's being amplified for no reason. Yeah. So so um. And then there's the the the, the few and far between of what I was just gonna plug us in and say. By the way, you can you can retweet <laughs> us at Only Movie Podcast. I love it. I love it. Um, but then like there's also the people that say like female led action movies can't do, and it's like no, that's I, I not genuinely, true. I I genuinely think you know this. this it's an interesting conversation. No, 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 my point is is that I think the many of the problems that we are having. In this country, around the political divide, uh, because we are amplifying individual voices that do not require amplification. No, I think and, you're 100 percent correct. And our, you know, like we are suggesting that this is a, a representation of a of a large way of thinking. Like like Richard Spencer, it, you know, he runs a group of 20 people or yeah. something along those lines. You know, like but they 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 c- command such a platform. You know, like it, it's 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 absurd. And and we shouldn't pay heed to idiots who say women lit action movies uh, aren't going to make any money because it's two people on the on the internet you're who right. are just dipshits. You're right. You're you know, right. Like, you're right. We don't. Ca- I don't care. Speaking of two people on the internet who, <laughs> who are, are just dipshits, dipshits. Uh, you can reach us at onlymoviepodcast.gmail.com. Uh, yeah, and it's funny because a lot of people. <laughs> I was in literally. I was on a show. Uh, what a delight with Chelsea White right before this yeah. record, and I was in the elevator with one of the guests. Yeah. Um, and he was uh, one of the people who I believe it's Atlantic Records who worked on the soundtrack. Side note to Birds of Prey. Yeah. Oh, a- cool. And Suicide Squad. 
one, but but Birds of Prey soundtrack is why one have, of the. Why, why didn't we have this person as a guest? I know, I know. Uh, I, Birds of Prey soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks I've heard in a long time. I've been listening to it nonstop. Hmm. Um, I'm going to have to look it up because I was. I felt like it was a lot of that, the same. It wasn't as blatant as Suicide Squad, but it felt like it was a lot of like, let's dip into the library and find, you know, like when Barracuda came on. I am not saying that it was used aptly, like all the time in the film. I'm saying the fucking soundtrack itself slams. Like, it's just fucking great. Okay. Um, But uh, I was talking with him and he's like, oh yeah, too bad it fucking bombed. And I was like, did it? Bomb. This is an interesting thing because Ford v Ferrari, uh, and I and I did hear this from some asshole on the internet, but, but like <laughs> Ford v Ferrari had almost the same budget as this movie and it made almost the same amount of money and it was considered after a success. the weekend. Yeah, and it was considered a success because of the kind of movie it was. And that's it's, and this the, is more of the implication you're talking about. Well, uh, it is. The I think the issue here is that the the expectation game with a superhero comic book lid uh, movie. Especially one that is built around a franchise that you know exists in a, in a you know arguably a kind of a shared universe at this point should inherently generate more money than this and and I think that's that is a sort of a, an interesting argument. Whereas Ford v Ferrari, you know, and a completely standoff, you know, adult non franchise built. Um, uh, uh, mo- singular uh, movie. It does not have that seri- th- that same expectation going on it, you know. So, so th- that's a different thing. And also, the the thing that you mentioned about like the point at which it's being released. You know, we are in the week after the Oscars. This is the f- you know classically has been called the February dumping ground. This yeah. is the dumping ground for for movies that aren't going to play to the Oscars. That hopefully you know will bring in an audience, but aren't you know you know like you can you can take your Ultimately, this is—I don't know if it's the lowest risk or the highest risk at this point because essentially, this is not the. This is not uh, depends Ju- what you're going for. It's not July Fourth, you know. So you're not like really banking on trying to get a win in July Fourth. I think this is something that's interesting too. And again, I think this is a problem with the way that we talk about movies as a culture based on worth and monetary value and all that. Like, because that's what it's become, right? That's yeah. what a lot of criticism has become is about box office and what it yeah. has done. The interesting thing, and what I want to see more, quote unquote, superhero films. There's, first of all, there's not a fucking superhero in this movie. Like, wow. it, it, they're not. They are comic book characters. It is not a superhero movie. I, I think the the term gets conflated around. I mean, like, arguably, Batman is not a superhero. Yes, he is. He is a he is mm-hmm. a caped crusader who goes around and fights crime. But he has no superpowers. Right. But he's a superhero. He goes around. What I'm what, saying is, what, there's no there's no character in this thing that I would consider a superhero. Black Canary. She's a lounge singer that has a mutant ability. <laughs> what I'm saying, she's not going around fighting. Are crime. the X Men superheroes? Yes, eventually. Like once <laughs> they turn, yeah, because then they become like almost like government funded, uh, Professor X funded, like a superhero team. Regardless, my point being, this is a smaller superhero movie. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest sins of Suicide Squad was the fact that we've talked about this multiple times that they had a guy that throws boomerangs and a and a woman uh, with a baseball bat going after an ancient dark god. Also, you had a person that could just make fire. Which, which arguably was the best person to fight the god, but we won't get into Suicide oh, and wasn't Squad. Wasn't like a, a magic woman? No, a her witch. sword was magic. No, 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 the witch. No, she uh, was the villain. Well, she was, but she was, but she was part of the Suicide Squad to begin with. Enchantress was was on on side. Remember, he she uh, uh, Viola Davis had her heart. She was part of the squad, and I was like, you just need. She her. She never was part of the squad. The squad was built to take her down. Right, right. But my point being, okay, yeah, we'll uh, get there. My the the. I enjoy when these films are smaller. Right. And this movie, even though it has a lot of action, whatever, like the biggest the biggest stunt set piece really, 
outside of single set Vite pieces was Harley Quinn holding onto the back of a car going down the street in roller skates. Okay. And it was cool looking. Yeah. And like, I like it when these things are small. And, and I think we have to sort of take that into consideration when dealing with like, oh, wow, it only made $80 million on its first three days. Right. And that's internationally. That's, the, that's globally. It, it made thirty-three million in in the U.S. out of an eighty million dollar budget in so the U.S., which is the problem. Why it made this is I mean, this is a, this is more of a problem I'm yeah. having with not just Birds of Prey and the people that are that are talking yeah. about it. I'm talking more about this concept, and, I, and to be honest, I see this a lot in in game development as well. Yeah. It's like if you're not making all of the money as fast as you can, sometimes in like inexplicably fast, if everything is not the biggest hit in yeah. this space, in this superhero video game, like flash in the pan thing, people instantly call it a failure. And and that to me is what is, I think A, a very damaging to the mediums that it's involved in. And B, uh, it, it also tarnishes like things that might have some value based on unrealistic numbers that they're expecting. Yeah, I think I think the issue here is that the way we talk about box office numbers is entirely uh, informed by the way studios want us to talk about box office numbers, which is that studios, studios tend to have a gamesmanship when it comes to box office numbers. That's how they compete with themselves. Yeah. And then we as cultural commentators have kind of adopted that language yeah. when ultimately it's meaningless. Um, and again, there's that book, The, the Hollywood Economist by uh, Edward J. Epstein, I think it is, uh, who talks about this. And there was a really interesting tweet by the writer of Men in Black recently, the, the, original? Original, the original writer of Men in Black, who received who who posted a a photo of their uh, residual chick from uh, from Men in Black <laughs> and and they got they 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 uh, put out the entire um, spreadsheet or the the little balance sheet that they get which shows that Men in Black is still in the red which is that Men in Black this multi you know billion dollar franchise that has spawned you know one two two sequels plus a spinoff sure um, has not made any money. Uh, according to uh, Hollywood econo- uh, accountancy. It's so strange. Um, it's really, and, and the thing is, yeah, we do talk about these things wrong. So what you should take away from this is the box office numbers are not necessarily the numbers that the film actually made. What it is, is a, is a it's an indicator to the marketplace the value of a film. And yeah. and and so when we say Birds of Prey has made no money, what we're saying is it is it has not met expectations for what it, for what it was, in, for what this type of property should deliver. And what I'm saying is it's not, the films, f- it, like, and I'm not saying it's Birds of Prey. I don't yeah. even want to get into whether it's good or bad right now. I'm saying that case is not on the surface the film's fault because it is set up to fail with these expectations based on when it is released and what it is. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I think a really great reference point is from a uh, uh, a show upon which a movie that we reviewed was based upon. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that had a really great episode about this, and that is Entourage. Entourage had a fantastic oh, episode yeah! about uh, the value of box office numbers, and it was the I think it was when uh, what is the main character's name in Entourage? Vinny Chase. When Vinny Chase was in Aquaman, and Aquaman was the number one grossing box office hit that weekend, and it was and you know th- this is why you see people talking about you need to get them in the theater on that weekend because that signals to the marketplace that this movie has met its expectations mm-hmm. and then can survive on. Like I think the other case is, um, you know, uh, the a film you mentioned on this episode already, Live, Die, Repeat, or mm-hmm. um, what was it? What was it? Uh, die, die Another Day. What was it called? What was the original original 
uh, the, Edge uh, of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. That's right. Um, is a film that didn't meet its expectations, but has arguably gone on to have it's like a bigger life. Real good. It's a great movie, um, and is probably in the red from an accounting point of view. But it's a signal to the marketplace. You know, like if and that's that is the value of a Tom Cruise. That is what Tom Cruise. That's what when you hire a Tom Cruise on a movie. But it's in the red. No, it doesn't matter. Tom Cruise brings box office numbers, and it's and it's just that opening weekend that he can bring, and that's why oh, people pay for Tom Cruise. It's that opening weekend, and that's what that's what matters. That opening weekend signals to the marketplace, okay, uh, this movie is worth going to see the next weekend. Also, it signals to the marketplace how this movie is going to play internationally. But for instance, in a film like say Men in Black or anything like that, isn't that just the marketplace playing itself entirely? It's entirely fi- it's it's like the value of diamonds. It's entirely made up, oh. and it's just it's just a way that we can discuss it. I think the point is cultural commentators like ourselves, people on the internet, assholes on the internet like us uh, need to just be aware that this is uh, this is not real. It's a series of games. You know, like, ultimately, everyone's going to get paid from Birds of Prey. It's not going to... There are movies that have come out this year that have, you know, like, arguably lost a lot of money. Cats. For the stu- yeah, Cats lost a lot of money for the studios. Um, but, but in terms of how much they've lost, remember, the studio is ultimately... Uh, a risk machine, you know, it it, it it does play a game, right? Right, you know, right. Like right. It, it has it has manageable risk, and and you know something like cats coming out and bombing is is hedged against by something like Fast and the Furious coming out and you know like making whatever. That's why we have franchises because they make money, right? Um, so. Regardless, we will eventually talk about Birds of Prey, the I just, movie. I was just sad about the discourse or the blown, the inflated discourse that I saw. And, and again, I think this is another thing where like social media is bullshit, and yeah. it's but but man, uh, I'm getting really disenfranchised with a lot of how I get information. I mean, I know everyone is. It's not like what do you mean disenfranchised? You're like you're I not, mean, you having your voice taken away? No, from no, you? no, no, no. Uh, uh, did I say disenchanted? Disenchanted. disenchanted. Yeah. Sorry, not disenfranchised. Thank you it's for the late. correction. It's late. It's very late. Yeah. Um. It just it's it's all. I I'm getting to the point where I just barely like if I'm seeing something I get to the point. It's even what you just talked about. It's like, well, why the fuck am I seeing this? Oh yeah, entirely. Like, I I I would argue. <laughs> I was asked in New Zealand a while back uh, whether Donald Trump would win the presidency. And you're like, yeah. No, no. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> 100% there is no way. Oh, how because, young we were. And, and, I, and, I, and the reason I said was that um, I said, uh, to me, Donald Trump sounds like uh, a person on the subway. You know, uh, uh, a person on the subway shouting. Mm-hmm. You know, you should just ignore them and go and go about with your day. Somehow... That voice got amplified to the point where we all listened into this person on the subway shouting, and that's what he is. And for some reason, we're all listening to it. And and I and I think we should take heed of the fact that you don't need to retweet every bad hot take that you see. You don't need to. Uh, you don't need to pay attention to dumb things that people say on the internet. You can happily ignore it and move on with your day. Yeah. Um, yeah, that has been my soapbox speech for tonight. It's a good soapbox, <laughs> man. No, you bring up a lot of good points that um, it's hard to see the forest through the trees sometimes. Yeah. And uh, no, I think that's something that everyone uh, should hear. And to hear more things like that, you can check out Only Movie Podcast, uh, Only Movie Pod on Twitter, uh, because, you know, we're please, there. Please retweet us. Yeah. <laughs> please. <laughs> but we're positive. Yeah. I don't think we... we... No, and, I, and I, I will say this. I think uh, we we should make <laughs> like a... Like I was questioning it. We're no, no, positive. We should make a stand to say that we are not here 
to make hot takes, to make dumb takes. We're here to like express an idea and to have that idea challenged and discussed and debated. And we we openly invite the discussion around the dumb things that we might say and openly invite the idea that the things we might say should can be wrong. And you do not need to like just blindly agree with anything we say because we're two idiots on the internet. You know what I mean? That's like, fair. I, I, I just, I, I, I mean, with the exception of me always being right, right. then, then, right, yes, course. I a hundred percent. No, that is... just unfollowing you on Twitter <laughs> no! right now. I need that. I, I need it. It's <laughs> part of who I am now. Um, we speaking of who we are, we are nothing without our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. We have a lot of emails we need to catch up with, and I promise that maybe by the uh, yeah. we'll get to birds of prey. Uh, thank you, everyone who emailed us <laughs> in over the last couple of weeks. It's Again, been a busy couple of weeks. It has been a busy couple of weeks. We we had a lot of these e- uh, a lot of these emails sort of backed uh, backed up, and we didn't want to like get into the full discussion of certain movies while they were kind of being debated about the Oscars. But hopefully, enough time has passed now that we can discuss primarily 1917 and Uncut Gems. So, if you haven't seen those films and you really need them to not be spoilerized... These are... I think I've cut out enough of the spoiler. Okay. These are just general. If I do spoil something, I will... So then you write... You tweet to Shahir at Shahir Dowd on Twitter and then you send him all your hot takes to teach him a lesson. (laughs) So the first one comes in from Jose who hasn't written to us for a while but had to write us in about 1917. Hi, Jose. uh, And I have to say, I completely agree with Shahir in terms of what this movie should try to be about. I take back my greeting. (laughs) I'm not going to elaborate what that is but please go and listen to our 1917 episode if you have uh, seen the movie at this point. Other than that, though, this time... I'm on Matt's side. Matt, you were hi, a big hi, fan. Hi, Jose. <laughs> you were a big fan of 1917. <laughs> uh, uh, Jose continues, not having crazy or very specific expectations walking in, I started getting into the movie after the first few minutes uh, when the movie was done explaining the premise, uh, which you had seen in the trailer. And from that moment, the movie grabbed me and took me through a great ride. I was constantly connected to the character and even my, saw myself in the character. Since there's uh, not much emotion complexity and it's mostly about survival, Matt had an interesting point here about the movie feeling very gamey. I won't lie, though. Two weeks later, I am thinking more about Parasite, Marriage Story, or Pain and Glory, uh, and have not had very profound thoughts about 1917, its story or themes. When I do think about it, though, I keep going back to the film Gravity, Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity, one of the most underrated cinematic experiences in the last decade. The plots are the same, the basic survival uncertainty of what's coming in the, uh, with an amazing camera work that effectively takes you through a hostile environment and transports you to a character's point of view in a way that I hadn't seen before in the genres. Uh, uh, in this way, the movie just works yeah uh, keep I, up the great work uh idea for the episode we should do uh international oscar nominees oh that's fun thank you jose i like that thank you jose um yeah i so something that's interesting i know i've used this term before too um i think because again i jose i'm right there with you i have not actively thought about what happened in 1917 while outside of the theater it is a purely experiential experience yeah um be uh but i what i have done is told people to go see it mm-hmm. Um, and experience it for themselves. That's the most interaction other than the podcast that I've had with this film outside of it. And I think that it comes from, and I've used this term before, it's for as wonderfully crafted as the film is, it is a lizard brain movie. Okay. It is, because again, the plot is not complex. Yeah. Um, but it, it it is, again, I love the term suturing. It sutures you in and it's just sort of a, it's sort of a, um, just a visceral ride that you're, 
immediate survival emotions sort of take you on. It's not a marriage story where you start contemplating your relationships. It's not Parasite where you dive into what classism actually is. Yeah. It's it's literally like, oh, fuck, you're going to die. Right. And that is a different sort of emotional set. And it's not one that I think you actually maintain much after a sort of fight or flight scenario. So the interesting thing is, um, I don't disagree with you, but for me... The movie that did that is is our next email, which is about Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems for me was a fully more experiential movie where I was much more immersed in what was happening in front of me than I was with the plot to Uncut Gems is more interesting than the plot of nineteen seventy. Not even just a, uh, on a plot mechanics point of view, I was much more invested in what is going to happen next and what am I go- like? How am I re- reacting to the situation? Well, here's, here's, and, and and so I'm I'm using plot as a shorthand. Let me sort of rephrase the 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 things that are happening. For instance, in nineteen seventeen, is soldiers must get from one point to another. How will they do that? Yeah. I didn't have like so so for instance the the way you do that is you go through the battle zone and certain people certain things can happen while in this World War II battlefield whereas in uncut gems okay let's say the the goal is Adam Sandler must get rock yeah okay but there's also <laughs> things get the rock <laughs> mu- there, there's also things around it why does he need to get the rock that is just as interesting because there's things about how he bought it how he got it how he's planning to sell it there's the silent auction how that's going to work when it gets all messed up like there's there's and, so and many I, yeah and I, and I machinations find, and I find though that I'm much more emotionally invested in the events of that film like I'm much more pri- the, the thing that you mentioned is lizard brain primer you know the the, yep. the primacy of being in sutured i yeah. suppose which again i'm gonna have to like go back and and do some more reading because that I, i'm nope, not that's using, what it means now we're, we're not using that phrase that's correctly. what it means now but but for me uncut gems did that on a much more primal level than 19 see i would argue that it did it much more on a psychological level not a primal not a not a not a gut you're going to die level i honestly but i mean yeah. i mean we're, i mean yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a difference of thing yeah uh do you want to read out this next email from Ooh. jacob about uncut gems yes please hi jacob thanks for writing again jacob writes uh the introductory sequence for some reason reminds me of the start of indiana jones of which, the Indiana which, Jones movies. Which one? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but I know uh, there's a hallucinatory quality. To yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought the music was fantastic. It stuck uh, out without feeling wrong. I agree. Yeah. And seemed very audible and loud without causing me to miss dialogue. Good mixing. Also yeah. agree. When it was paired with some of the awesome zoom slash transition sequences, it felt like I was getting a free amusement park ride with my movie. I think I was tricked by this movie into rooting for good old Adam, only to by the end realize that I kind of hate the guy. <laughs> I'm agreeing all over the place. And I think that this is the sort of thing that makes this movie genius. It always feels like he's going to pull everything together and get out of the chaos we started with. And when he chooses to deliberately embrace the chaos for no reason at the end of the film, other than the way he is, because he loves it, I felt betrayed, but also like I should have known better. Yeah, this is so this is the thing for me, is I I ah oh man, I love this movie. And I don't want to do, give any spoilers away. Yes, there is an embrace of chaos at the end of the movie. Uh it's it's wonderful. I think it's experiential. I think um it speaks to this idea that we are who we we are our, we can be our worst selves and but i think the movie has more to say than that uh i i just found you know like in terms of that conversation i i don't disagree with your experience of 1917 for me 1917 was such a feat of engineering that that's kind of what i got it distracted out of, you it it 
it's what I saw most in that movie. Um, but regardless, um, uh, Please go see Uncut Gems. Um, I want to re- just read out this one last email from Tourist Man. So we, uh, uh, we on our last episode, we did a bunch of top fives, and we read out Tourist Man's top five. We thinking, messed up. Thinking that it was his top five movies of the year. I apologize profusely for this. It was not his top five movies of the year. It was his top five episodes of our podcast. I mean, t- to be fair, in, in our defense... Why would we ever? Yeah. I mean, he probably wrote it very clearly. They probably wrote it clearly. It. I but uh, but like I just we just assumed, and, yeah. and then we made an ass of you and me. I want to just take a moment here to pause and say, for the next few minutes, this 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 email, which I found ver- deeply touching, uh, and and what Tersman had to say was was really affecting. But it will sound self congratulatory by the fact that I'm reading it out loud on this on this episode. But I just thought so. When, so when you're I'm, setting us up for. The, the own self-love that you're about to give. I want to say I am reading this out with sincerity and respect for the fact that someone had taken the time to write this to us, and it really did move me. And even though it's about us... <laughs> <laughs> this is going to uh, be so weird. I just want to say thank you very much, and uh, we, we uh, are very grateful that you took the time to write this. Uh, before Shahir can get it in, I know you guys partially messed up my top five of my Oscars episode. That is fine by me. I understand the circumstances. And here we go. Just the fact that you guys read out these emails from everyone is amazing. I have never seen hosts of a show, not even just podcasts, who are this caring and supportive of their community. This podcast has gotten me to create, whether it be a podcast of my own or even go to col- uh, even going to college for television and film production. This podcast has reinvigorated my love for movies and has given everyone who listens to this podcast, I won't name the names that he mentions here, something to come back to every week. And I know I can speak for everyone when I say, I just want to say thank you. From Shahir being the GIF master on Twitter and to Matt being... Well, Matt, you guys have done uh, so much for every single one of us. Love you guys so much, Zach. Um, I have two questions. Well, I have two questions. I, I want to. I, I do want to read these two things out mainly because it's a nice thing about you and me. But but again, is it's you know like while it is self congratulatory, I just say this is a very nice. Email. Oh, there's there's more. Yeah. Oh. Uh, my favorite. Well, I, I feel awkward reading this, but I'm going to read it. My favorite <laughs> thing I watched over the last decade was Shahir's short film *The Loteria*, which is probably my favorite uh, my favorite short film I've ever made. And PPS Matt's role on *Extra Credits and Extra History* has shown me that one man can have so much impact on how something is presented. A topic that can be so boring can be made fun of with a man and his cat. Thank you, Tourist Man. Yeah, thank you, Tourist Man. Um, um, so it makes uh, 250 episodes really worth it. Uh. Yeah, I mean that's that's super nice, and I don't even know how I don't even have the the proper um, words to actually sort of say it. But no, I mean that that does mean a lot. I hope that uh, we can continue to do that for you and everybody who listens because that's um, th- I mean we've been doing this for a long time. Yep, and uh, we keep doing it because we love doing it. But w- uh, the thing that is invigorating to us, the the literal. Other than Shahir and I enjoying staring into each other's eyes and screaming, um, is is the fact that uh, people also like uh, hanging out with us. So and and chatting with us even on and off this this show, you know, across social media. We were just uh, saying how evil social media was. It, you know, there's a lot of we have a lot of great conversations with you guys in there. Um, uh, and and to that point, we are going to try to. Uh, cultivate the community a little bit better in the in the year coming up and make yep. it, make it more considered. We have that. steps. We have steps that we're we're taking. So again, thank you so much for writing that email. I, I have email. my one last question. Okay, did, sure. did he write GIF or did he write GIF? What did I say? You did, said GIF. Did I say GIF? You did. He wrote. Did he write GIF? He did write GIF. Good. So I just wanted to make sure. I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I I I I had faith. 
in Terse Man. I just wanted to, I, I had to know. I am that guy on the internet who will respond with a gif whenever. You are. Uh, inappropriately. Uh, uh, so if you'd like to respond to us inappropriately, you can email us in as all of these fine folks did at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can leave us some likes or some stars or some thumbs up or some whatever on whatever service you use. The numbers, the, the number metric to let people know that we had a good box office weekend. All right. Birds of Prey. We should get into this movie. Uh, tell us what the IMDb synopsis is for Kathy Yan's. Uh, is it is it a follow up to Suicide Squad? Tell me, tell uh, me what IMDb says. Uh, well, it, it, it's going to directly contradict what I said at the beginning of the podcast. Are you okay. ready? Okay, hit me. I just realized this right now. After splitting with the Joker, Harley Quinn joins superheroes Black Canary Huntress and Renee Montoya to save a young girl from an evil crime lord. What was that word in the middle of there? What? That was uh, that was Renee Montoya. No, no, no. no. But just back up. Uh, that was, uh, oh, ba- back up. Yeah. Uh, Huntress? No, no. Uh, joins? No. Uh, uh, Black Canary. This is an interesting conversation. Superheroes. Um, we what was the the movie we did last year? Psychokinesis was a movie uh, about a man, a, a South Korean film uh, about a man who gains uh, a magical ability to fly and do telekinesis with his mind, um, which you deemed was not superhero because of the v- lack of visual iconography in that film to d- uh, determine superheroes. In this movie, there is a significant play at visual iconography. Um, but this doesn't feel like a superhero film to you. Well, it's sort of, again, and uh, how do I put it? There, there's villainous iconography or anti-hero type sort of thing. It's 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 a vibe, right? Like, again, if you want to look at like what a superhero is at its at its absolute core, and this isn't even stuff that I enjoy stories from, but I always go to Superman. Mm-hmm. Superman is the the undistilled patient zero patient zero of superheroes for me i know he wasn't the first but that's what my mind goes to when i think of super in and i watch the least amount of superman but my brain goes there mm-hmm. it has to do with um with sort of hope and it has to do with um, the idea that someone is looking out for you. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with the idea a lot of times with superpowers, but it doesn't quite have to. It's just someone who is not a law enforcement or military official doing the right thing for the most amount of people they can. That is what I consider a superhero. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a million different shades of gray in that space because then you get into the anti-hero. Then you get into, you know, the, you know, just or st- like you, there's there's obviously not every hero is super is Superman. Not every superhero is. They, they all have interesting flaws and things like that. And they make them more, yeah. you know, uh, engaging. This is a film where um, the the iconography of. Uh, I wouldn't even call it superheroes. I would call it, um, I don't have a sexy word for it, identity fashion. Uh, or like, um, because like Harley Quinn, yeah. straight up, has a look. And that look is manic and yeah. cool and uh, like uh, a woman who just broke up with the Joker. Like, it it makes me feel like this is the, she, she's, she is portrayed in the correct way. Just like in Suicide Squad, the way she looks looks like a woman dating the Joker in a abusive relationship. Right. Like, and here 
it looks like it, it just looks correct for the sort of story points that they're going for. There's only one character in this movie with a superpower, and I don't think superpowers make a superhero. Um, now, here's the thing. I guess this is yeah, they she, might become superheroes. They, or they might become a, a hero team, a superhero team. That, mm-hmm. but we don't see enough of it in this film where it even connects with me. Here's here's a, here <clears throat> on that I, level. I, Sorry, I I um, this will sound harsher than than I intended to be, but I don't care about the way you feel whether this is superhero films or not. I think the only thing that I sort of am interested in is because to me, the the term is fluid. And the way we identify it is fluid. And I don't think we should get hung up on whether it's a superhero film or not. I wasn't hung up on it. I said it wasn't. Then we got into a big conversation about it. We could have just been like, oh, okay, and moved on. But it, it, it strikes <laughs> me as odd to say it's not a super. Like, to, to say definitively it's not. I think it's an action movie. But it's not a superhero movie. I didn't see a superhero in it until the very end when they become like a team. And then like if they make another Birds of Prey movie, then, yeah, maybe that's a that'll be a superhero team movie. This is an action movie with a bunch of characters uh, that get together to fight a crime lord. Is Batman, uh, like, is Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight a superhero movie? Yes, because you combined both the actions that we've discussed and the iconography. Like, for instance, instance, the bat symbol in Batman means something. Right, right. But does the the outfits here mean something? Not in the same way that the bat symbol does, no. Now, Harley Quinn comes from the Batman universe, right? Sure. So so, does, so, so, for, so for example, here, here's is a, Joker a superhero film? Yeah, that's what that's a question for you. No, it's, it's a movie about a villain. Right? Is that? But does, it's a it's a it's a. I mean, it, and it's funny because the super villain of it. And again, I, again, I'm actually getting bored just talking about this. I don't even know why we're. I'd rather talk about the film right, itself. Yeah. It's a, look again because I I'm like it can or it can't be, but I'm not definitive about like I, I It's just you, you said it in such a definitive way. Well, you you say a lot of things in definitive ways, right. and we discuss them sometimes at great length and sometimes not. This is just one of my things. Okay, okay, uh, I'll take it to that. Yeah. Um. The so let's to, into the film itself. We all uh, had a discussion. We we've had a sort of uh, a fairly heady discussion and Suicide Squad has come up many times the David Ayer film uh, of 2017 I want to say let's go with uh, that um, that we that we reviewed many years ago uh, with friend of the show Gerard Mulligan from Black Man Can't Jump in Hollywood and it was a film that I absolutely uh, <sighs> hated is a strong word but I absolutely just didn't see how that film actually made it to the screen because it was such a it, it felt like it was a, a film that had been Batted so hard by committee, and then eventually just kind of like thrown at the thrown at the theater in the hopes of something, and it made a billion dollars. And it made a bunch of money. Yeah, it made a billion dollars. So uh, Margot Robbie has taken the uh, arguably, ostensibly, the most. Perhaps one of the most iconic characters from that film, mm-hmm. and turned it into a franchise. She's a producer on this film. Um, she was uh, instrumental in hiring the director Kathy Yan, who's uh, this, whose film this is only her second movie, um, um, and and has 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 omitted a couple of the key factors that were a big play in Suicide Squad, which seem to have backfired. One is the Joker. The Joker seems to be an entirely. Um, retrofitted out of this movie to the point where I think Matt Singer of its screen crush had described it as this movie treats uh, finally makes the Joker akin to Poochie uh, from The Simpsons which is the, is this character that has suddenly disappeared and everyone is just asking about who they are but it's a, it's a strange omission and it seems to be because there was a severe public backlash to that portrayal of the character um, by that particular actor and, I, and I, I have always found that very unusual and I'm not sure why it happened but it seems to be 
part of the thing. And and the fact that this film goes out of its way to omit that character uh, when it seems like it's such a it's so, such an easy money maker. No, so this is this is I'll have to disagree on that. The the way that um the so there along with this there is going to be a second Suicide Squad movie. Right. Um the, by and we, James Gunn, right? We, yeah, and we we the and the DC continuity is not that anymore. In fact, mm-hmm. they're just calling it I think now the worlds of DC, not yeah. like which is fine. Like that's I a choice. I like that. Yeah, yeah. great. Uh, but it's going to get confusing when it gets to be different things like this. There are plenty of Har- Harley Quinn comic books, and there's a uh, that that don't deal with the Joker, right. And are excellent. Uh, I don't think, and I I loved that this movie treated him as sort of a bit of a one bit joke or 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 a MacGuffin, yeah. and then you just can fucking ignore him because this movie isn't about the Joker. It's about what happens to a woman, granted in a very odd situation after uh, an abusive relationship ends. Right. And and, it, and and that to me is very, very interesting. And I like the fact that they're like, okay, abusive relationship over. Here we go. This but is here, her story now. Here's the part that kind of threw... I, I would agree with that. If like if if literally this was just uh, Harley Quinn goes off and has her own adventure, it was like, cool. But the film references the Joker a lot. And to the point, there was the, there was a moment in this film uh, right at the very beginning. It's when, uh, is it Renee Montoya? Um, basically goes to... Uh, and this is not a spoiler. It's, it's in the trailer. It's like the first 10 minutes of the film um, where Harley Quinn has decided to destroy the chemical factory uh, that, that she was Ace essentially uh, birthed at. Um, and, and Harley uh, and Renee Monteria finds her, uh, her Joker pendant and immediately comes to the conclusion that she and the Joker have broken up. Uh, and, and this is huge news for, and, and Harley Quinn is signaling to Gotham city that she is now a free agent. And I was like, that struck me as such an odd leap, and it's uh, it struck me as such a strange sort of beginning point for the film because it essentially suggests that Joker and Harlequin's relationship is mythic within this world. Sure, and and then, but then the film doesn't you know the Joker is not a character in this world, and it, and it's something that is referenced like the the Black Mask's entire ploy in this movie is now oh I can get Harlequin. Harley Quinn because she is broken up from the Joker. Yeah. Again, it's mythic in this world. But and so to have that character not be in this world is unusual. Well, let's let's sort of and, and this is I'm going to make a stretch and I don't know if it's going to work, but I want to see if I can sort of move it in a direction that how I'm sort of thinking and yeah. whether or not it will uh, convince you or not. I don't know. Let's go down this rabbit hole. There's lots of movies out there that talk about God. Follow me down here. I don't know if yeah. it's going to work. Yeah. Okay, um, we don't see God in a lot of the movies that reference God, but yet God is a driving force on why people do things. Now, I'm not saying that the Joker is God, but it's the same story mechanic in a in a tale. If a character began a film where they just broken up with God, and, and there's, God, a, there's and a, God, a lot, of, there's a lot of films that start like that. And, and God was a character in the world of the film. Then I think you're. But, but I would argue you're up. you're grabbing on to Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. and I'm saying that this movie, this movie, I think works entirely with the cultural zeitgeist of who Harley Quinn and the Joker are, without Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, you do not have to see Suicide Squad to understand this film. I don't. I'm. I'm not even. I. I agree with you. So I, that's well, what I'm my, saying. My that's point be- is here. Is the retro the retrofitting of this film to take out the Joker 
but still I don't constant, think this film, this film but, was but, never but, retrofitted. This but, film was written but to, without the Joker as a main player. But to still mention that character as often as it does. It's and a plot make, device. It's, and, I'm and going make, with my God analogy. And, and I think the God analogy is a, is a real reach. Um, and make that character as big as they seem to be within the balance of this world, yet to not show them, seems to be a reaction to the way that people responded to that other film. Like, even even the jo- you know the, the, the Joaquin Phoenix film, The Joker goes out of its way to kind of remind you that this is still part of the Batman lore. Which is silly because they said they wouldn't. But but, but uh, they uh, still do, right? Like and you know, like I my point is here is you don't even need to mention the Joker. Like like don't mention the Joker if the Joker is not important. But this film continually references the Joker. I liked the reference because <laughs> it, well, on two levels, honestly. One Lizard brain. I understood that reference. You know a thing that's going on. You feel like you're part of the world because you understand the workings of things that are not directly in front of you. Yeah. Um, and two, uh, I like the fact. I, I actually think the film is stronger because they use it as this MacGuffin, but not the the important part. It's important to the characters, but it is not important to the the story I'm being told. The Joker is important to Harley Quinn based on history and emotional damage. Jeez. And now this is the film. That, and oftentimes in traumatic relationships, the the person is gone and not present, and still every and always is brought up and is around you in a, from a psychic perspective. Like this is this feels as dumb as it sounds to make it say Birds of Prey is a realistic depiction of grief at the end of a relationship. I honestly would say that the fact that yeah, have you ever? I mean, I don't know your your dating history back in New Zealand or like whatever, but like I've been in relationships where I've just lost all my friends because they sort of sided with the other person, right? And you don't. It's not like in that tale in in my life or whatever. Whenever this happens, that person just doesn't go away. Like like that person, even if you don't see them for two years, is brought up and in circles and doing things. Like it is a haunting presence, and that is what I think they use the Joker here to be sort of treated like. That's fair. I would buy that. It's it it strikes me as as the, there was such a sense of vitriol against the way the Joker was done in the Suicide Squad that this film's lack of use of it but still constant reference of it is just it strikes me as odd and I will say this and it will I I think it might catapult us uh, a little bit further beyond this I enjoyed this film so much that I never thought about the outside machinations of the WB doing their choices about these type of things I I was in the movie when I was right. watching the movie. I was just in it and I was enjoying it. So let's 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 go with the, so we don't go too far. Let's go down that hole because the thing is that we haven't actually said is whether we enjoyed the film or not. I mean, I did. It. I mean, <laughs> I'm curious. Did you like it? Um, it for me personally, uh, there were pleasures within, mm-hmm. but it was instantly forgettable. Can you say that again? There were pleasures within. Can you say it sexier? They were pleasures within. There we go. That's not sexy. That's creepy. That's so creepy. <laughs> One man's trash. Um, <laughs> but it was I- instantly forgettable. But what I appreciated about this film that I, you know, and I, I, I sort of, I, I, it's impossible not to think about Suicide Squad in relation to this film is that I think a hard choice was made in this film to make a single adventure. To make a single you know, uh, one adventure with this character, not connected to a bigger universe, not aiming for any grander, you know, yeah. like uh, sense of meaning or broader. And I think that hard choice was successful in this case. Like, I, I do think, for me personally, the film was 
pretty instantly forgettable, but I enjoy, I, I enjoyed the immediacy of, of when I was in it. I enjoyed, I think there were moments with it that I, that I enjoyed. Um, and I certainly have a lot of fun. With You're getting Mar- choked up. With I, Margot did you get Robbie. emotional with it? Uh, I'm, I'm getting gas, <laughs> if, if you must know. Um, but, you know, I, I think Margot Robbie uh, commits to this character in yes. a way that says, I don't, I don't know how anybody else will play this character from this point forward, mm-hmm. if, it, if that ever happens. Like, will she appear in James Gunn's Suicide Squad? I have no she idea. Is. Yeah. Uh, as Mar- Margot Robbie mm-hmm. will? Okay. Um, Margot Robbie's mm-hmm. been the, the figurehead for keeping this part of the DC universe going right. she's been the force that's been like she, she, she the, remi- she's the only reason her persistence is the only reason that this movie that we're talking about exists right and she reminds me in that way of uh hugh jackman with the wolverine yep. you know like it's just like i found this character this character is going to define me for the next 20 years of my life i'm mm-hmm. going to play this as much as i can um and so i think that's great and i think you know again uh she makes a smart choice by choosing kathy yan to direct this film again yes. who's only her second film uh the first film that she directed uh was called dead pigs i believe mm. um set in china uh about a uh uh, 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 a series of pigs that floated down the uh, the river. Um, I so uh, I did think it was instantly forgettable. Hmm. It was ultimately forgettable, but I think um, I I certainly uh, enjoyed moments. I I will say uh, we we've had this conversation previously on this podcast about the length of a film, mm. and and this movie is two hours, some two hours long or something like that. I think it's only an hour forty, an hour forty, close to that way, and and I. It's not that I felt that the film was long in any way, but I was like, man, if the if the choice, it feels like the choice was made to make this a singular, uh, you know, singular adventure. And I think if it was a really tight singular adventure, I would have I would have derived a lot more pleasure, just the immediacy of it all, because that's what it's really about. The longer it went on, there were moments that just didn't play for me. There, the I think there are central relationships within this film that hearken to. Uh, a mechanic for how to identify with an anti-hero. And it's one that we've kind of seen, you know, like there's a familiar mechanic in here that is of the child being introduced into an anti-hero's yeah. life that they have to then become the guardian of. Right. And it's very familiar. It doesn't really resonate, doesn't really land, but it's like, it it kind of works, you know? So I, um, I guess sort of two <laughs> points. Uh, despite myself really enjoying the film i can't disagree with the fact that like bits of it are forgettable like i i don't i don't like the plot is fine i i saw the plot and this this is not all movies but i can enjoy some movies that do this like birds of prey the plot is a delivery device for wonderful characters and moments yeah like and i'm not like I'm not like, oh my god, Black Mask's plot to take over this thing and do that doesn't stuff. Doesn't make sense. Like, I mean. yeah, but like, it's funny because like the movie doesn't really paint it as important, and therefore I don't really latch on to it. Uh, and again, this is a angle of making a film. Yeah, I enjoy it when 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 the things that it's ignoring, that the energy where that would take is moved into a spot that I like, which yeah. is these characters in particular. Um, particularly, I, I, look, I love. That they used uh, Ewan McGregor as Black Mask here. I think he's a uh, compelling villain. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, his plan is dumb and uh, and whatever. But that doesn't matter. Like, I like I like this character who's like what, thinks that they're a well, they are a crime lord, but they're actually kind of weak. And the only reason that they're not is because sometimes they get loud and they have a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, they're the antithesis to Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. So like I uh 
I, I found that like I loved that they used that again. Smaller villain, defeatable villain. Yeah. Um, I've I've always uh, and it, it comes from the Arkham Asylum game and probably the um, the animated series, but I've always really thought Victor Zaz is a great foil for Batman. Yeah. You know, like it, like there, there's a the smart serial killer with a gimmick. Yeah. There's like a fun opportunity to make like a small one-on-one movie a mano a mano film between Victor Zaz and Batman. Yep. I always thought that would be that would be a great opportunity. I really like um the 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 line that this film comes to to uh, making um Black Mask and Victor Zaz a couple. Like it yeah. really pushes that line. I wish they kind of just went for it. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm just at this point now where I was like, I just wish you just kind of went for it. Yep. You know, like you're an R-rated film. You seem to not give a fuck about anything. Like, why does this? Why is the, why is why are we sort of being coy about this one thing? It's interesting because then you, what you want to be careful of, especially because representation uh, of LGBTQ things and stuff like that are is an issue. You. I, there, I mean, there's two camps of, of whatever. If there's an underrepresented group, yeah. you want them represented in all forms of storytelling and all things. If you, if the only people in that group are psychopathic murderers, even though there's a representation, like I kind of get why maybe they didn't go that route because yeah. they didn't want it to come off in a like, oh, this is just like they didn't want it to accidentally be read as like. This is a bad thing that bad people do. Like, there's an interesting uh, conversation that's being had around the movie *The Silence of the Lambs* and its representation of, uh, of, uh, of trans people, mm. and you know, like because the the serial killer in that film is a, is a is a trans uh, person, and and um, you know, I think uh, Jonathan Demme talked a lot about um, his guilt at the fact that that the film was read that way, but many trans people who watch the film. Don't think it's a negative representation. Yep. No, or, you totally know, it, it actually manages to encapsulate the internal struggle. So I think the thing that we're sort of batting up against here is something that I think um, we talked a little bit about. I, I'm not sure which episode we talked about, uh, in, but it was this idea that films made by minority groups that tend to that tend to be uh, pe- you know put on a pedestal to be representative of mm. that entire group. Oh for, yeah, yeah, yeah. For when they're not, you know, for when a group is underrepresented. The the barometer is not like excellence in that field, like being excellent as an underrepresented film. The barometer for a culture kind of transforming is to have mediocre films in that field, like where it doesn't matter if this film, you know, like it's just represent- sure. it yep. just you know, and I and I and I kind of think as much as that will sound like a backhanded compliment to this film, I think what's great about the way we're sort of talking and and viewing this film is that it is a, it's a perfectly fine. Not to me, nothing exceptional. Not, not uh, you know, I'm not. I, I'd ha- I'd be hard pressed to really recommend it. But it's like you know, it's perfectly fine. Uh, it's not an offensive movie. And it, but the things that we're not, we're not going. Oh, but you got to go see it because it's a woman directed it. You got to go see it because it's an all woman. Yeah, we've, we've I totally reached, agree We've with reached what that point where it's like it's fine. You know, this just exists as it is, and there's no, mu- there's not much more conversation around the representation side of it that really matters because. We've got a lot of these, and it's great. It's yeah. great that we have a lot. Of I, these. It's funny, and you <laughs> fall on the back end of like that fifty percent mark, maybe. Uh, yeah, of, you... and I fall a, a oh. little bit ahead of that. Like yeah. I, again, it's it's funny when I like something, I like liking it. I think that's, it. but like I, I know that sounds like a dumb thing, but like I can, I can, and I, I will as we go through. There are aspects of this movie I do not like. Yeah. Um, but I, overall, 
I, I enjoyed it enough where I would tell someone, like, well, it all depends on, like, who that person is. If it was you and you hadn't seen it, I would be like, yeah, sure, don't go see this. Yeah, like, yeah. But, no, and but, for me, like, when I want to make a recommendation for a film, I'm always, like, trying to find something yes. that, like, is going to affect someone. Uh, no, I agree with your sentiment, though. I mean, the the way you see the barometer of culture change is when, when things become standard in mediocrity. Yeah, and no, but there are so many mediocre male-driven action movies. Yeah, oh my God. That we should, that, that this film doesn't like, you know, bounce to the level of Mad Max Fury Road is not a detriment against this film. Yeah. It's like, we can have, you know, like... And, and it's funny because there are things I think this film does do excellently. Yep. I think the second half of the film's action and, and fight choreography and the way it is shot, to credit to the director, is, is fucking great. Like, I was in the actual... I, I felt good in the fight scenes. So there's an interesting thing that happened around... There's an interesting conversation that happened around this film's fight choreography, mm. which is... Uh, which I think is... is um, Akin to the thing we were talking about at the very beginning of this episode, which is the amplification of idiotic voices, um, which is to say that the fight, fight choreography in this film was directed by Chad Stelaski, mm -hmm. uh, who you may re recall is the director of the John Wick series. And many articles were written about the fact that uh, Kathy Yan's second feature had uh, a sort of veteran, you know, um, second unit director come in to beef up the action sequences during the during the reshoots as a director. And I think the tenor of many of those articles was that, well, you know, we can't really trust this, you know, this this new young filmmaker, particularly female filmmaker, oh, fuck. around around action sequences. So we're going to hand it to like this veteran guy who's kind of done this thing before. The reason I think that that is sort of and I, I'm doing the thing that I've asked us not to do at the beginning of the film, <laughs> which is amplifying idiotic voices, because that is not unusual in Hollywood. No. That is not unusual in the slightest to have a veteran, uh, to have second unit teams come in who are more specialized at action. Wait, Shahir, are you telling me that filmmaking, now just hold on one second, is a collaborative process it is a collaborative process and it's not one one person but the interesting thing is when male directors tend to have uh you know like then season, it's just their boy season second yeah you know like um when um i forget the director's name but he directed the first hunger games and he directed pleasantville i've, I've gone blank on the name but he had steven soderbergh come in and direct second unit action for him um and they're great friends they go back a long time steven soderbergh you know was like happy to do it and it was like oh look how great their friendship is the articles around this was sort of not they didn't have the same tenor to it idiotic it, voices you know and it's like um, but 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 I will, I will say you know like having that article those articles planted in my head before I went and saw the film there are certain action sequences in this that reminded me of John Wick um, that reminded me uh, of that and and I think you know the what I did really enjoy in this film it was a criticism I had about John Wick as well which is I thought you know I felt like the action was sort of same samey and you know a little bit you know deadening yada yada we've had that conversation yeah. go back listen to John Wick 3 uh, episode Parabellum. Um, the thing that I really dug about this film just from a technical point of view was the way that the film had been visually designed to be representative of Harley Quinn's state of mind yeah and the 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 siege at the police station I think was the perfect encapsulation of an action sequence that actually reflected the character Characters in a 
inner point of view of the world. Yeah. You know, she's firing uh was it like hacky sacks or something? They're they're from? like um the yeah, yeah, there's there's um they're the anti uh, non-lethal rounds of a of a high caliber shotgun. Yeah. The the the, but the hallmark of uh of an anti-villain uh becoming the hero of the film by the way. Yeah. You know, it's like the terminate Not- the terminator shooting kneecaps. Mm-hmm. Um uh but but I love the the glitter explosions, the color, yeah. the color wheels that were used there, the sense that that this character's inner view of the world was being reflected through the action, and I think that was re- like, and and we see it at the end of the movie when you know essentially it, it feels very much like uh, Arkham Asylum, the video game, but like we go to a funhouse where the the second half of the movie kind of plays out as though we're in Harley Quinn's world now. Yeah, um, and I think I think that actually is smart design. Yeah. It's really, really smart design for, for for this film. It's something that like Suicide Squad did for not, all not for do. all of its like massive production value and design just didn't do. No, you know, like I what's agree. good at. Uh something I didn't like, uh I felt like the the edit the st- structure editing of this movie. Uh, sort of jumping all around and pausing and like I get the 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 machination of it and yeah. I and I understand that it is supposed to be like Harley telling the story but messing it up she even starts it with no 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 I'm telling it all wrong yeah yeah um I think and I think it's small things that exacerbate a larger problem yeah like the the for instance the sequence of Harley Quinn going into the police station uh we've been set up that there it's jumping around a little bit and she has to rewind and whatnot but there's no like up until that point we've had a line of uh narration or something like that but when it goes from the previous scene to the police station scene there's nothing but before that, all we saw was her getting kidnapped by a bunch of goons. And, we and then we eventually going to find out how. And we eventually she... find out, but like there's there's connective tissue that it's done in previous moments like that, where it's like, but then I got to this, hold on, or whatever, yeah. and there it doesn't do that at that moment. And so there are a few times like that where I was like, it's not sticking to the bit, and 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 if you're going to do that bit. And and you can see it being done well in A, B, and C. You probably should make sure it is in D and E as well. Like it felt a little bit tonally whiplashy to me when that, those sort of things happened. It's not that I don't like the exercise. It's not that I don't think it could work like that. It's that it set me up for an expectation when this was moving forward. And a couple times it was just like, nah. The thing here is that uh, I I think the the potential for that mechanic to explore something bigger was was really ripe in this film. Like I was like, oh, they're gonna do something with this idea that Carly Quinn doesn't see the world yeah. in, in a sort of linear fashion. She jumps from story to story. She's all over the map. You know, she's got this sort of manic uh, m- method of thinking. And I was like, I really, I'm really curious what they do with it. But I, I, I don't think they do do anything they with don't. it. But it, it, I, it could be an undertone. But, but, but and, and I think that comes back to this idea that I had, which is like, um, or to this notion that I had about this film, which is that there's a hard choice made in this film to not be. It's not be ambitious, but not to like reach for big ideas. Like I think there's a hard choice that's made in this film to stick to what we know, have fun with it, deliver what we think we what we want to get out of this movie, but not really push anything too far. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think uh, yeah, this movie I th- picked. I think this movie picked a few specific things. Yeah, and wanted to make it like that point, namely uh, recovering from an abusive relationship, finding a new family. Yeah. Um, making you know, adjusting like th- things like that. I think that. That there was one thing in this that I that I thought was like a key idea that I wish had. 
it's I think all the elements are in play, but I just wish it had become more resonant mm. in the film. Um, was the idea that it you know like many of these characters are recovering from childhood trauma. And they have a child with them now. And so they, you know, there, there's almost a moment at the end of the film when they're kind of, they're in the wild bunch mode, you know, like the yep. the, the seven samurai or the five samurai as they were going to be, who have to do the one last stand. And Harley kind of says, no, they're not after, you know, then they're not after you, they're after me. And I, and I, and I thought what she was doing there was trying to, uh, protect this child from the trauma of like being hunted. Right, it doesn't but, go there. It doesn't go there. And I and I, you know, like I was sort of like going. I think there is this idea of like protecting, you know, like of of these women coming together and realizing that there is a a young one amongst them that they must protect from the traumas that they suffered. And I and I had hoped that the film would kind of like make that resonant in a in a way. But that's that sort of example of the of the not reaching for the ambition and kind of just going with what we, you know, kind of know. I think, I think it's in the ether, but it doesn't really quite reach for that bigger idea that would make this reason. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, I've said this on the podcast a few times, which is that I, 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 I sometimes will favor a film that has ambition and fails rather than a film that um, has a, has a sort of, Fairly linear target and headset. Yep. And but this is an example where I think this has a linear target headset, and I'm okay with that. You yeah. Know? Like like, um, I, I think it, it actually kind of. It's not that the movie works; the movie plays is the way I would describe it. It plays. Okay. Yeah. So uh, is that like what, like fifteen percent less than works? Yeah. Yeah. It actually is. Yeah. Yeah. It plays. I, it, I just I was looking for a metric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it it plays. It 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 it's the kind of movie. You can throw on in the background. Uh, th- I mean that that's fair. Yeah. I um. I I I I was admittedly very excited for this film. Right. Uh. And normally, what happens when I see a bunch of cool trailers, Suicide Squad, mm. uh, in in similar venues, when I see the film, I am let down. Right. Uh. I was not let down here. Expectations low. I don't think they were like to be honest. Suicide Squad. So so again, I'm this is this is where I'm at. I don't connect I know it is connected to this. Yeah. I didn't think about Suicide Squad fucking once while watching this movie. Even I don't when we saw the boomerang? What? Even when we saw um boomerang? We saw Boomer we saw yeah. Captain Boomerang? Yeah, she's in the she's in the uh we saw a photo of Captain Boomerang. She turns and points to and says, I know that guy and walks off. When it, where's that? In the police station. Oh, that was a boomerang. I just figured I don't. I didn't. There was a picture of boomerang. I was like on a wanted poster. Yeah, and she's like, "Then I, I know that guy." But again, even like that, like I'm not like. It's funny. (laughs) Okay, I'm walking down the street, Mm. and I have new sneakers on, (laughs) and I step in a pile of dog shit. (laughs) When I wash the dog shit off my shoe, I don't just keep thinking about the dog shit. Like I think about the. The shoe, because I, I put it on every day. And, like, this felt like the dog shit, Suicide Squad was the dog shit, and they washed it all off, and the stuff that remained was the thing that I wanted to keep <laughs> interacting with. In the middle of some shit, there was, like, a diamond. I mean, kind, no pun intended. There's yeah, know, a, know, and and the Cassandra Kane uh, eats the diamond, so it's technically in shit. It's technically in shit, Um yeah. So I don't know. I I I was I wasn't even pleasantly surprised. It's weird. Like my expectations that I saw were met, and like I saw the trailers. They were fun trailers. I got to see more of what I saw in the trailers. The movie sold me the thing it was 
actually actually giving to me. I think this is the this is the perfect time of year for this kind of movie. Sure, it is like the perfect you know like February. You know, like we're we're not you know we're we're just trying to walk into the theater kind of movie. And it also felt, and I, this is not meant to be a, a slight. I I think it's a compliment. Uh, it felt refreshing after all of the Oscar movies. Yeah, it's it's that's what I mean. It's a good time of year for this I kind of movie. Just, and, and it sucks because that refreshment comes at a cost of <laughs> of people giving it shit. Again, stupid voices. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to ignore those stupid voices. It's it's hard, man. Yeah. It's hard. Can I ask one question, a plot mechanic about this film? Oh, uh, yeah. That, I, that I, I just didn't understand what was happening. <laughs> okay. The Diamond. They're a girl's best friend. So, oh yeah, which, okay, musical sequence out of nowhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not out of nowhere. It was um, it was her was in, she, internal you know, what, monologue. Was she got when she when she when Black Mask hit her pretty fucking hard? It rung her it rung her bell, and she kind of started hallucinating. Right, right. Um, the diamond. Okay, so in Huntress's youth, a gang yep. of goons, Victor Zaz being one of them, came to her house, killed her family. These are spoilers, by the way. Killed her family, um, entire I mean, family, because they wanted to get this diamond, which has the uh, uh, bank code. No, 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 no. Nope. Okay. So, the, and 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 emails in only podcast at gmail.com if, if I'm getting this wrong. Um, that murder yeah. actually has nothing to do with the diamond. Hmm. So that murder was just two the crime. Bling- hold on, yeah, the Bellinis, whatever yeah, they're called, the uh, Bertinelli's. Bertinelli's. The two crime families were feuding, yeah, and then the other crime family finally murdered the Bertinelli's and took them out, right? And that meant that the only place that had the they weren't trying to get the money or the diamonds; they just wanted crime control, and they right. did that, right? But then that left the Bertinelli fortune to. So what happened to the Bertinelli fortune? So the, 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 before they had died, they inscribed mm-hmm. all of their account numbers and passwords on the atomic thing of a diamond. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. There's a hyena in a bathtub in this movie. Let's and, not. And, and let's so, not. No. No. And I, I, like I'm. I'm just trying to follow it because because yeah. the the conclusion of the film sort of does nothing to do with that. And I was like, so it becomes almost like a mob fairy tale. That like you like the somewhere Bertinelli diamonds are it, it, it has the because it's all in the Swiss it's bank like accounts JB or whatever. Cooper's um sack of you know the money yeah. from the the sim yeah. or the the hijacking. So like so but that so I could see where that gets a little bit mixed up. But the but the people killing the Bertinelli crime family were not after the Bertinelli's money. They wanted them okay, out but, of but the later picture. Later on, Black Mask wants wants the, wants the Bertinelli's fortune. From the diamond, right? Because he thinks that it will, with that and his own money, he'll be the biggest player in Gotham. And Harley Quinn knows about this. It's, again, it's a, it's a, it is set up in the film as a mob fairy tale. It's no, no, like, it's like the thing the, that all criminals knows. know about. It's like, it's like the the Ark of the Covenant. Right, right. But then she tra- she she pawns off the diamond at the end of the movie for you know like a well, seemingly looks like a small amount of cash. Oh, because at that point, because Huntress was back in, like her her name was back, like she came forward. So Huntress Huntress is can get all of that money, and therefore the diamond is not; it has no value. Like basically, the reason why that was that MacGuffin, that diamond, and those numbers were there because everyone thought all of the Bertinellis were dead. Therefore, it, the inheritance couldn't go to the Bertinellis. Now that after Huntress, all those years, yeah, like the... after Huntress again, <laughs> I don't think this film is dealing with uh, socio economical. Uh, uh, it's, b- it's not dealing with dealing with uh, succession laws. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's I that's the way the plot sort it's of just, it seems like everyone was trying you know like the 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 little uh, burnt into the coat you know the DNA yep. of this diamond was like 
the 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 Ark of the Covenant, and then at the end of it, it's just kind of because she got the, so and the, the movie does, admittedly doesn't do this well, but I, maybe I know this a little bit from the comics too. But yeah. but Huntress then uses that money to basically become like another Batman, right? Right, right? And and fund the Birds of Prey, right? So so now in her real life, she has all of that crime money. Right. Therefore, the diamonds codes don't matter because she already used them and it's already just there and then so now there's just a diamond that harley can sell right for a little bit of cash yeah okay yeah i know i mean yeah. look again i'm not it wasn't done incredibly clear. it wasn't done it just it's not that i don't i wasn't it's like when when um uh renee Montaigne kind of immediately deduces that this enormous explosion is because harley quinn is broken up with the joker oh, i like that I, and i was like I'm I'm not because it's preceded by it, it, you know like there's a scene right before it where we she demonstrates that she can look at a crime scene and understand what happens and we see exactly how she deduces that this person was the one that they were trying to kill right also so that was really great good, sequence yeah great sequence really cool I was like okay I I like this but then she just walks over picks up this J thing and says Holly Quinn is broken up with a joke and I was like I don't. I'm what I must have missed a few steps yeah. here. You know, like I missed I missed a few steps and it becomes like it already like, set up that she could do that, so then I didn't need to see it happen again, and then therefore I but, was like, but, okay. but also like the 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 A to B of that of like uh crossbow through the throat versus bullet holes to this person doesn't like add up in the same way with like massive tanker explosion and Joker, you know, like a uh, little Nicholas. Like those two things, like it's a big leap. Right? Yeah. It's a big There's leap. a hyena in a bathtub. There's a hyena in a bathtub. That's uh, Named Bruce. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like this movie. I think you should see it. Shahir? I think it's instantly forgettable, but that's not a terrible thing. Okay. <laughs> well, this has been the only podcast about the film Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Wait, okay, let's try some other let's try some other titles. What, what what other titles could you throw at this thing? Harley Quinn's Wild Ride. The Magnificent Birds. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing about only only one of the Birds of Prey, even the original when Oracle was involved, who was Barbara Gordon, who was the Batgirl, that's the whole thing. Um there's still only, There's only one, one bird. bird character. I Barbara mean, Gordon is the Huntress. other. No, no. Barbara Gordon is yeah. Oracle, and yeah. even when she's Batgirl, but she she's was a bat. bat. But she was Batgirl, yeah. which has got wings. She could fly, so, potentially. I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, what did you all think of Birds of Prey? Email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, all answers are correct. That's one of the, the one <laughs> of these things I could say for these films in particular. Um, for this one, I should say, uh, Shahir, when you are not. Having a hyena die off camera only to be brought back later because your budget couldn't afford to have Bruce around all the time. Where could folks find you? Man, I wish I had a CGI hyena following me around. It was a good CGI. It was good. Good, good CGI hyena. Uh, you can find me uh, uh, engaging in animal husbandry. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it is. Uh, actually. At my uh, at my website at www.shahirdaud.com. That's s h a h i r d a u d dot com. When Matt, when you are not inscribing your bank account details into your DNA, which can only be extracted with. Um, 
Puddin'. Puddin'. Uh, where can people find you? <laughs> you can find me and all of my financial deets at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z, on Instagram and PSN, and of course, Emperor MSK on the cesspool that is Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we're doing over at Extra Credits, I believe, next week. Oh, today, actually, we just launched our February update video where we redid our Patreon and we talked about new scheduling stuff and we talked about the Twitch stuff. I love doing those videos, but they're super stressful. Yeah. Like, because it's just me and Zoe, like, talking through stuff. And it's not like, and I know that's not content that people come for. <laughs> um, but uh, with the. The Patreon for the extra credits uh, is completely revamped. We've worked on it for like two months. Uh, 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 shout out to my coworkers Jeff and Arthur, who really, uh, really nailed it. And I think it's something special. We're redoing the credits. You can get cool bean art. Please check it out if uh, if that is your bag. Can um, I, can I can I be bean art? You you can can is this bean art? Is uh, this bean I art? you can be bean art if can you become I, a patron. Have I bean art before? I, I, oh, <laughs> I don't know if you have bean. Um, <laughs> next week, I would love to do Sonic, but I understand that's two very popcorn movies in a and row. You know what's coming out? What next else is week? coming out? Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh shit! Portrait of a Lady on Fire is coming out, which is an unusual place for that film to come out. A film what that if made... we did like a dueling review. <laughs> Like what if what if you reviewed Portrait on or even vice versa, if we wanted to do the opposite. If I reviewed Portrait of a Lady on Fire and you reviewed Sonic and we try to go back <laughs> it'd be a nightmare. I don't think we should be, do it. No. <laughs> I just I think I don't know, that would be odd. Uh, we'll figure it out. Everyone send us in your portraits of ladies on fire. <laughs> Maybe we should do a poll. A poll, a Twitter poll, a Twitter poll. No, here's poll. the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, would it be? Would it be? Uh, Portrait of Lady Fire on Fire is not going to win. And and I think why? That, what uh, if we ask people to make it win? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so if we put our thumb so, on okay, the scale. Here's the here's the thing. If we put out a poll, everyone vote for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> there now because. It, we'll see because we've just helped it a little bit. All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna put the poll up and see where we get to. It's not gonna win, and I think sometimes you shouldn't give the people what they say <laughs> they want. You should give them. I think the people want sexy um, Jim Carrey in a with a is, really is nice. He sexy. I think he's looking pretty good in that movie. He's, he's, I mean, Jim Carrey's a handsome man. But like, I think the ro- the thin Robotnik works for him. Yeah. Is he, is he going to be in the big in the big floating? Yeah, he's got like vehicles and all sorts of shit. I would just happily play Sonic. Like I, I would happily like we just play Sonic. Do you just want to play Sonic for I an hour? I just want to play Sonic for an hour. Should we? Pl- Here's a question: <laughs> If we do Sonic, should I hook up the Genesis and we have to be playing Sonic, Sonic consistently <laughs> while we're doing the review? Oh boy, uh, I would do that. I think that should be a Patreon goal if we ever had a Patreon <laughs> goal. Uh, All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening and your nice emails and your words and just for being you. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Oh, good addition, Zoe. Bye.